I can go shit talk everybody, dickless or not. Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome in to the Fantasy Flexecution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelshotti. With me now and always is my boy, Kyle Settle. What is going on, man? What's up, homie? You and me today. Devin's still on vacation down in Florida or somewhere. I don't know. Whatever. Doing his thing. So, I don't know. <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> Devin down in Florida. He'll be on the news in no time. Florida man does so and so. That's going to be Gosh, our boy. Fill in the blank. Sure. Florida man, I, Devin. I, I can feel it in my bones. Make it worth it. He's on. Hold on. He's on vacation today, and I'm going to be on vacation next week. So maybe another couple episodes before we get another show. And I got a wedding over in Montana to Ooh. go and visit. So I will be out next weekend, unable to record. But after that, we should get back into our weekly schedule. What are you going to, to Billings? You going to Missoula? Where are you going? What is it? Uh, Big Sky, Montana? Ooh. Destination fancy. wedding? Yeah, that place is gorgeous. Yeah, it's nice. High school friend getting us all back together and uh, got an Airbnb with a couple other high school homies, one of which is, I think, a month less pregnant than my pregnant wife. So <laughs> a little different than our high school get-togethers because half the place is going to be you know, pregnant, but... Other than that, <laughs> trying to recapture that high school magic, have a good time with the boys. Oh, how fitting. I mean, we're recording on Father's Day. Happy Absolutely. Father's Day to you. And to and you, you my the friend. the boys running around there. Yep. Any other listeners who can call themselves yep. father, congratulations and happy Father's Day. Yeah, man. It's an important role being a father. So uh, good on all you guys for, uh, for taking on that responsibility, being a great father to your kid. With that... Let's get into the show. So we have the news today. We also have uh, wider series consensus There's rankings no part news. three. Yeah, speak of the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Actually, actually, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for we have breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. Travis Homer missed minicamp. Travis Homer, the running back for Seattle. Um, he's still really young. He's only 22 years old, I believe. Um, but he just missed minicamp. Do you think there's anything to really take from this? Well, it's not good when you're probably fighting for a roster spot. He's got DJ Dallas to compete with, and then uh, you probably got the two shoe-ins and Penny and Carson to make the roster, and barring a surprise cut. So not good if, unless they're going to carry four running backs, which I guess Seattle might, but it's going to be a struggle to get on the field, and when you're fighting for that roster spot, even missing something uh, small like minicamp OTAs, that, that can make a big difference. Yeah. I was always holding on hope for Travis Homer. Uh, I eventually did drop him from my dynasty team, but I mean, he is so young. Maybe if he uh, if he's not in Seattle, he'll latch on somewhere else and get a, a satellite back roll or something like that. Uh, as of right now, I think you can pass on Travis Homer in all formats, um, every every way you can. I mean, just just leave him on the, on the bench or leave him on the uh, waiver wire and move on. 
That's one thing that I've been a lot better at, I think, the last few years and helping because you have that bias whenever you pick someone off of waivers or you draft them. You're the, the Ikea factor of something you built yourself. You're always going to think higher of it than maybe someone else. But the way I use it to try to get past these guys who take two or three years to get any sort of role in the NFL is just look at the history of NFL players and how many of these guys that are elite now or even just good now started off their career with two years without seeing the field. It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, no matter how you feel about a player, after a couple years of not seeing the field or maybe just sparingly, guys like Rodney Anderson, the greatest running back prospect of all time, <laughs> after a couple years of him just not being able to get on the field, you got to cut bait and move on. And especially at the running back position. I mean, oh, the, yeah. the flow of talent coming in and out, I think you can justify holding a young receiver for a little bit longer, but running back is just it's just a machine of a position the guys get churned in and out and uh if you're if you're on the outside looking in it's really hard to make your way back inside mm-hmm. so with that we'll move on to jordan matthews jordan matthews philadelphia great former vandal vanderbilt all-star <laughs> converting to tight end Dude, uh, this vanderbilt is just <laughs> all-star that that sadly may be the highlight of his career <laughs> yeah i mean he, uh, he ran like six good routes his entire time in, in Philly, and people loved him for it. Uh, but he's converting to tight end. This seems to be a trend. Uh, a lot of yeah. washed-up wide receivers converting to tight end. I mean, is it, are we just going to keep seeing this? <laughs> this that's on? what you do. That's, you get your second shot at a career at the tight end position. Are you an athlete? Yes. Are you good in the NFL? If the answer is no, then you retread as a tight end. Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Tim Tebow, and now Jordan Matthews. How many more are we going to get? It's funny because like the uh, the thing that a lot of people like to to bring up about big wide receivers that aren't really cut out to play on the outside they call them big slots and they'll yeah. throw them in the slot and then now guys are saying oh I'm converting to tight end it's like just so they can play you at big slot because you're not going yeah. to be an inline tight end you're not so playing like, H back Jordan Matthews is not going to be playing no, H back anytime soon no. I mean, could you see him blocking the third best defensive end on any team? I think he was a pretty good blocker as a receiver, though, wasn't he? You would probably remember a little bit better than me. He's like a, yeah, he was a crack blocker. He was blocking uh, linebackers flowing, they're flowing to the play side. He was blocking cornerbacks, slot cornerbacks. He's not going to block a defensive end. (laughs) Yeah, a little different. Crack, cracking back on a five foot eight, hundred and sixty pound defensive back, <laughs> as opposed to some of these edge rushers that you might be tasked with as a tight end. Very different. Yeah, I mean, he would he'll regularly regularly be trying to block guys that are fifty pounds heavier though. Well, I think he's they that I read he already put on like 40, 50 pounds, which holy shit. I mean, I don't, I don't know how good that is for your body as someone who fluctuates weight like crazy. 40, 50 pounds is a ridiculous amount, but I think he's already up there on like his Kelvin Benjamin flow as far as weight gain. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, that's not a great thing to compare yourself to, Kelvin Benjamin. No, but no. Let's move on to some signings that have been going on around the league. The Lions been a little active, uh, as, as uh, you could suspect, with their wide receiver room as it is. They signed Chad Hansen, former... Mm, bop, 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 bop. <laughs> to get this in there's no other way to talk about it's been like a month since we had a hansen drop (laughs) well we got it 
Congratulations. Uh, no, Chad but, uh, Anson, are you, are you at all excited about Chad Anson? Excited is obviously not the word. No one's going to use the word excited. The most excited I am about this is the fact that we just got to hear Hanson. But I, I am slightly intrigued. This isn't someone I'm probably picking up unless I just have that extra spot. But the wide receiver room is so open in Detroit. That's no secret. And for me, I'm not an Amon St. St. Brown guy. Like, I don't know, half the world seems to be right now. I, I just don't get the appeal. He's obviously, he's own. If he goes to 31 other teams, he's probably not drafted. Maybe he's an undrafted free agent in your rookie drafts, depending on how deep you go. But it's someone who, if I have the extra spot, maybe I'll throw in, throw him on the tail end of my bench, see if I can trade him away for a late pick if, if he has a couple of good weeks. But if I have everything going on in late June in the NFL, this is as good a signing as you get. Yeah, I don't think he has any hope to be the wide receiver one in Detroit. Um, so you're looking at a low ceiling on a run-first offense with a bad quarterback with a an OC that isn't exactly uh, dynamic in his approach. So I, I think you can only be base-level excited for, for what Chad Hansen could do and if you pick him up and he and he does, you know, fire once or twice in the first few weeks of the of the season, just get what you can for him. Bears they signed Jake Butt, tight end. Uh, I believe he played for Denver. Den- yeah, I mean in college. I was trying to remember, oh. but yeah, I think it was Wisconsin. I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. Devin would know if it was a Wisconsin guy. Missing you already. Yeah, uh, but Jake Butt. He, there was some hype for him coming into Denver, but I don't know. You know, tight ends take a while to break out. He never really did much. He had a, quite a few injuries uh, in college and in Denver. So I'm not sure if he's anybody you could expect to get much out of, especially since they have highly drafted Colt Komet there and the corpse of uh, Jimmy Graham. Yeah. More Still tight ends in Chicago. Spot. Yeah. It's 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 an annual occurrence that a tight end mm-hmm. gets brought into Chicago that we have to talk about. Uh, you got anything yeah, else who- on Jake Butt? Who was it last year? It was uh, old boy from Philly that everyone thought was going to be good for like a week and a half. Oh yeah, uh, before he was the he, he was the, the number special. two. Yeah, he was the I number two before Goddard got there behind Ertz, yeah, and he was a great athlete. And everyone thought whenever he went to Chicago, he's going to get his his spot. But oh, what was his name? If anybody from Philly is listening to this, they're <laughs> screaming right now. Uh, I don't know. It'll come back to me. But uh, yeah, he got that big contract in Indy. Philly's not Mm -hmm. claiming you because of that. The Midwest, where you're at right now, can't claim you either because you had the classic blunder of mixing up uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. The University of Michigan (laughs) is where Jake Butt went. Oh, okay. Yeah, not Uh, not a lot on Jake Butt. No, nothing. Let's move on. Jaguar signed first round draft pick from about six years ago, Laquan Treadwell. He busts everywhere he goes. I'm not excited about Laquan Treadwell. The Jaguars have three or four wide receivers um, that you can at least convince me to be a little excited about. Laquan Treadwell is not one of them. Um, I think this is something that, you know, you got a new head coach. He comes in. He wants to bring in the most talented players because he's inheriting a roster that he did not build. And uh, he probably remembers what Laquan Treadwell did in college and knows the type of – production that was expected of him and thinks that he could probably be the guy to turn it around so i wouldn't be too excited about laquan treadwell especially not in jacksonville no he's probably not on fantasy radars i am it is on my radar though that jacksonville is bringing in yet another pass catcher it seems to be all they've done this offseason is bring in pass catcher after pass catcher and we'll talk more about that later when we get into the show but i, I do have to confess that 
I, I looked up the tight end. Trey Burton. Trey Burton. Yeah, Trey Boo Boo. Trey Burton. Yeah, Trey oh, Boo Boo. Shout out to fantasy footballers and Trey Boo Boo. Yeah, he was yeah, supposed was to be the next big thing. I for that. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was one, I mean, of, one of them. You and I were handing, sure. him off, handing him off in our fantasy leagues, I remember, for a year or so there. He was back and forth mm-hmm. between your squad waivers and my squad. Just yeah. don't, didn't want to give up on him. He was one of those athletic tight ends that's more of a wide receiver than a tight end. And I thought, you know, if there's any guy to invest in, especially with uh, my team that's always struggling at tight end because I usually just punt the position, yeah. he's one of the guys that, uh, that you know, screams, I need to get him on my on my bench. But anyway, that's, a, that's enough Trey Burton That's talk. enough Trey Burton <laughs> and Jake Butt talk. Oh, God, what a gross start to the show. All right, let's get into – the meat and potatoes. Got to say that for Devin. I know he's not, he's not here to say it for himself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Let's get into it. Wide receivers 25 to 26 in our Dynasty consensus rankings. Let's finish them up. Just to recap, our one through 24 receivers. At number one, we had Tyreek Hill. Number two, A.J. Brown. Number three, Devontae Adams. Four, D.K. Metcalf. Five, Justin Jefferson. Number six, DeAndre Hopkins. Number seven, Stephon Diggs. Eight, C.D. Lamb. Nine, Michael Thomas. Number 10, Terry McLaurin. Number 11, DJ Moore, and number 12, Jamar Chase. At 13 through 24, we have Calvin Ridley starting at 13. Number 14, Chris Godwin. Number 15, Allen Robinson. 16, Amari Cooper. 17, Keenan Allen. Number 18, Mike Evans. Number 19, Brandon Ayuk. 20, T. Higgins. Number 21, Courtland Sutton. Number 22, Kenny Galladay. 23, Cooper Cup. And 24, Deontay Johnson. Number 25. Yep, number 25. I want you to start off on this guy because I can be a homer. I could be accused of being a homer for this guy for sure. So I want to hear you uh, lay out your case for or against Devontae Smith here at 25. So you are the homer, but I am the highest. Of all the players we've talked about since we've done our rankings, since we did our rookie rankings, positional rankings, everything, I don't know that there's been a bigger climber for me than Devontae Smith. I I think I got a little too sucked in in the pre-draft notion of, oh, he's too small to make it in the NFL. And then I just started diving deeper and deeper, and this guy's done nothing but impress me. Obviously, a top 10 pick to the Eagles this year, but his size, although it is a concern, it's not uh, like we had a couple years ago with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, and they're just not tall enough, right? It's it's a weight thing, so weight can fluctuate. We just talked about before the show that Jordan Matthews just put on like 40 or 60 pounds or whatever it's been since last year, and obviously that's not what you want, but you could put on muscle with – in, with an NFL team, you could do it at the college level, so you can absolutely do it with an NFL team. But this guy was so dominant as a prospect that, in spite of his size, I'm really not surprised looking back that he was the top 10 pick. His last two years at Bama, he had 37 touchdowns. This guy was a touchdown machine. There was nothing he couldn't do on the field. There's an obvious reason that he was the Heisman winner. And just the kid was flat dominate when it came to uh, how he played in Alabama. The league is also changing in the NFL. Defensive backs can be less and less physical the further along time goes. The rules are changing. Defensive backs aren't allowed to make much any contact with wide receivers anymore. So I think as his career progresses, the NFL is probably going to stick with that trend. So he's going to be able to get off the line easier and easier. And his size, he may not have to get any bigger. And if it does, he was one of the best wide receivers in college football last year against the press, which we've talked about before. So I think he's going to make that transition to the NFL just fine. Yeah, I mean, you put a lot of feathers in his cat there with, with what you can uh, bank on in terms of what he's bringing into the NFL. But I want to talk a little bit about what he's going to be experiencing in Philly. So 
who's his competition? You got Jalen Rager, first round pick from last year. Uh, the number three wide receivers might be a toss up, but it's probably going to be Travis Fulgham. Number four is going to be about either JJ or Sega Whiteside, or if he gets cut, which is definitely a possibility because he's yeah. shown absolutely nothing. Um, then it's somebody that is yet to be named. So I think you can bank on in 2021. You can bank on him getting 120 targets. Well, the and number I, three honestly, receiver is going to be a tight end, whether or not you want yeah. to call it that position or not. The the top three pass catcher is going to be Dallas Goddard. He may be number two. He may be number one. But that's where his competition is coming from. I don't think it's coming from, like you said, J.J. Arzega-Whiteside or Ortega-Whiteside or uh, yeah. Travis Fulgham or any of that. Totally. And whether you look at the Eagles as having a smaller reception pie. Do you want some pie? Uh, than most teams because you're going to have a lot more rushing from the quarterback than they've experienced in the past. Yeah, for sure. I still think I, – I, I still think that he <laughs> gets 120 targets – Without a doubt, and I'm not worried about the size. I'm, I'm truly not. Um, he's, he's played on the outside. He's played in the slot against NFL caliber corners in the SEC. I believe he could do it uh, as a rookie uh, starting off in 2021. And I only think he can get better because as the team brings talent around him, uh, the defenses won't be able to uh, force, uh, force all their resources his way. So I didn't like that they traded up to get him, but I understand because of the drastic need. For wide receiver in Philly, and he's only going to benefit benefit from it uh, in fantasy and in real football. But last thing I'll say about this, the Eagles, this is just a stat I heard the other day, and it's just so depressing. The Eagles drafted a wide receiver in the first round last year and this year. And it might be like, well, what do you, why are you spending all the resources in that position? Since 2014, the Eagles have not had a 1,000-yard receiver or a 1,000-yard rusher. Weapons Ooh. are needed in Philadelphia like – water is needed by the human body it's just <laughs> it's it's about time that they're investing in guys that have produced and uh produced in ways that are applicable to the nfl so i think Devonte smith has a bright bright future i have him at 24 devin has him at 29 but like you said you're the highest at 19 and he comes in at 25 in our consensus rankings does the fact that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback right now give you any pause? Do you think he's going to be the long-term answer? Are you worried about your stock of Devontae Smith if he does stay the quarterback moving forward? Or are you just taking him and whatever upside you get is what you get? I'm not worried about it because I, I don't think – I think he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. And I bring up Lamar because it's the only comparable offense, I think, um, to what people are concerned about with Philly. And I think he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So if he is the long-term starter, I think you can count on more production through the air out of that offense as a whole. And uh, he's, like I said earlier, he's far and away the number one in Philly. So even if it's not the best passing offense, the volume's still going to be there. And I think we've made it clear we're both really confident in his talent. So if the, if the volume's there and the talent's there, what can you really – I mean, you can nitpick some stuff about his profile, but what, what can you really be concerned about? I don't know. Number 26. So let's move on to number 26, Robert Woods. I have him at 28. Devin also has him at 28. Once again, Kyle, you're the highest at 23. Um, I have him at 28. I think he's going to be a locked and loaded wide receiver two this year. Um, so it might, it might seem like I'm kind of contradicting myself. But what I'll say is the addition of Matthew Stafford, I think, lengthens his relativity as a wide receiver in the NFL, but he's also getting older and where he wins mm -hmm. is uh, on the outside. And when, when these outside receivers start getting older, it, they eventually hit a cliff. And I don't think he's as talented as, as 
you know, the stud outside wide receivers we've seen in the past five, 10 years, like a Julio or uh, AJ Green or Des Bryant sure. or those type of guys. So if you got him playing on the outside and he's uh, 28 years old, I think he's about to be 29. Um, I think he's already I don't 29. know how much. He's already 29, yeah. So I don't know how much time he has left. That's why I have him at 28. Uh, I would not blame you at all if he's your wide receiver two for the next two years. Um, I think he'll produce there for you. Um, I'm just concerned about his age and with other guys we have ranked around him that are so much younger, like Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy. Um, who else? I mean, those two alone, I would definitely take over Robert Woods uh, in Dynasty, and that's why I have him a little bit lower. It's just the age. Um but I yeah, think makes you can look for a bright 2021. You were, uh, you're not really contradictory because, like you said, he's probably an RB2 this year or should at least be ranked that way. But how many of these RB2s are 29 years old or older RBs? than that even? Or wide receivers, sorry. How many of these guys <laughs> are up there in age? Uh, for me, I still have him as a low-range WR2 as far as Dynasty goes. At 29 years old, uh, he's very diverse. You're, you're right that he does play the outside a lot, but I wouldn't consider him an outside-only receiver or uh, a guy that couldn't move into the slot or into the backfield because we've seen him do it with LA so many times. Uh, McVay very creative about how he gets involved, gets him involved. So he's a guy who's steady Eddie. He's everyone knows he's Mr. Consistent. He's 12 plus games every year. He's a top 15 wide receiver each of the last three seasons. He's 29 years old. So you might be looking to sell, but if I'm a contender, he's someone I love to have on my team. If, if I'm in that rebuilding sort of area, then yeah, I might be shopping at 29 years old. This may be the last chance to get something out of him. But if Stafford comes over and Robert Woods takes on the role that Kenny Galladay's had for the last few years uh, of that number one target for a Matt Stafford. There's no reason to think he's not going to be top 15 again, at least for the next couple of years. Uh, I think Devin brought up a couple weeks ago a scenario where either he or Cup ends up getting cut loose. Do you remember who it was? Was it Cup or Woods? Yeah, so uh, the Rams can walk away from Woods after this season with a minimal cap hit. Okay, so that is a little bit scary. If if it were the other way around and maybe maybe Cup were leaving, that would make me a little more optimistic. But yeah, the more I thought about that, the more it kind of made sense for a team that may be struggling with the cap next year. And if that happens, yeah, I don't I don't think I want to be left holding the bag for a thirty year old free agent Robert Woods who is probably not going to another situation as good as what he has right now in L A. So yeah, the the uh, the thirty year old tag when once people see in, in their fantasy apps they see the number yeah. three zero oh, next yeah. to somebody's name it's like a scarlet letter it's hard to get anything for them it's getting um, bad for me i i it's it, the age keeps moving to the left where i see 29 year olds and it's like oh, okay well next year this guy's 30 and then 28 year olds <laughs> yeah. oh shoot next year he's gonna be 29 and then that's pretty yeah. much 30 to the point that i'm looking at like 24 <laughs> year olds in disgust now like god you're so old <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to fight that, but you have to because you still need to score right. points. And Robert Woods is a guy that is going to score you points this year. And like you said, contender, get Robert Woods on your team for cheap if you can. If you're not a contender, get him off your team for money now. What do you and, think it uh, takes to get him right now? If if you're a contender oh. and you have a need at wide receiver, we'll say as your WR two or three, depending on your team build and you get offered a number two pick from a middling team. You don't know if they're going to be in the playoffs or not. They offer you their number two for Robert Woods. Do you take it? Would you rather have Woods or the pick? You said I'm rebuilding? No, we'll say you're in contention, and you get offered offered that pick for Robert Woods. Is that enough for you to get rid of him? 
No, no. Just because so, I, you know, looking at my wide receiver room, if you have Robert Woods on your team, you probably don't have two wide receivers ahead of him that you're that you're ready to start right away. Like without a doubt, I'm starting these two over Robert Woods. And I think in most fantasy leagues, you have to start two wide receivers every week. And if Robert Woods is one of those two, or even your third, I definitely want to keep him around for a push for a championship this year. Um, if he's your fourth or fifth best wide receiver, then yeah, I'll take a second. Yeah, um, that makes sense. If I'm competing, um, what, what yeah, if you're not if competing? I, what if you're yeah, what if, if you're in that rebuilding mode? Is is a mid round two enough for you to get rid of him there? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. If I so can, that's probably the sweet spot there, depending on your team. That it, yeah, totally. If I can convince myself that it, it, there's a good chance it's a good second round pick, like pick 14, 15, 16, then yeah. I mean, that was that was Elijah Moore this past year. That was Trey yeah. Sermon in some leagues. Yeah. Um, so right, you're looking yeah. at that guy coming onto your team next year. So, yeah, I think that's worth it. Rebuilding, get rid of him for a second, competing in most cases, keep him on, keep him on board for anything uh, less than a first-round pick. And obviously, I don't think you're going to get a first for Robert Woods. But. All right. Number 27. Number 27, Kyle hates this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerry Judy. I have him at 25. Devin the highest at 22. Kyle, you're at 34. So I teed you up to tear him apart. Go after him. I don't know why I hate him so much, but it's just kind of built up. And it's like, now I just have to hate him and I just have to lean into it. At this point, there's no coming back. So I just, I have to fully embrace it. Like you said, I have him ranked 34. So I have him as a low end wide receiver three. And I'm going to tell you some things about his rookie year, because some people look at the total counting stats and they're encouraged. They see all the targets. They see all the yards for a rookie and, It was a solid rookie season if all you look at is the end numbers, but he was second in the league in drops, and I already know your argument. That's not a sticky stat, and that's true. It's not a very sticky stat, but his catch rate was so porous last year, 46% catch rate when he was targeted. Yeah, I mean, you can do the math. That means most of the time when he was throwing the football, he did not catch it. We're at an NFL level. That's not a good thing. And yes, his catchable target wasn't great either, but when you're second in the league in drops, you have to shoulder a little bit of that blame. If you look at his season on a week-by-week basis, there was only two weeks last season where he broke 15 fantasy points or 75 yards in PPR. It happened just twice. And his components, two of the worst in the league when it comes to defense, Atlanta and Vegas. These are not good teams. He had five or fewer fantasy points five different times throughout the season. So you may look at him and think he's going to be that high target guy. He's going to get you a lot of catches, but he hasn't shown a lot of a floor. Now he got Cortland Sutton coming back, who's not going anywhere. He's just 25 years old. He's going into his prime. So he's going to gobble up a lot of those targets. A lot of people are expecting Noah Fant to take another step up going into what is his third year now. So... If Judy is nothing but the number three target on this offense with two capable running backs who should be running the ball a lot, I just don't know that I'm that interested. What's the ceiling for him? Something around the 80 catch range for 1,000 yards? Eh, that, that's probably the ceiling. I'm, I'm just not that into it. The only caveat I'll get is if somehow Teddy Bridgewater comes out of Denver with the job, his value immediately goes up. Because Bridgewater is going to be checking down a lot more than we would see out of Drew Locke, who's a lot more of that slinger, and I think... Locke's going to be looking downfield a lot more than Bridgewater would. So if it does come out or eventually Teddy wins the job, I might move him up a couple spots, but everything I said is still true. I just don't think the ceiling's there. If I, if I'm sitting really late in drafts or I just have a huge hole at wide receiver and I've got to plug someone in to keep me out of getting zeros, then maybe I look Judy's way, but 
I think he's a low floor, low ceiling wide receiver, which is why I have him ranked where I do. There's not much that you said there that I, I can really poke holes in. I mean, I know his catch rate was 46% outside the top 100 receivers. So, of course, I have to look at what player profile has as a true catch rate, which takes into account uncatchable targets. And once again, he was outside the top 100 there. So bad, bad season at, at being a wide receiver. <laughs> but I think <laughs> that's what, encouraging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think why me and Devin are so high is because Devin and I, what you saw at Alabama and playing alongside guys, guys like, uh, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, um, Jalen Waddle is his ability to produce amongst superstars. And that's what we're talking about in Denver with Cortland Sutton. No offense. I still think he's talented enough to get open and get those targets because he deserves them. And I think our the disparity in our rankings, I think, says more about the quarterback situation in Denver than it does about his talent. And I mean, it's been floated out there a million times. I don't want to speculate, but if a certain quarterback who's much better than who they have now Say his name. comes to Denver. <laughs> Where are they? Where is he? Aaron Rodgers, if he comes to Denver, I think Jerry Judy's a lock to load a wide receiver too. I'm if actually okay with you bringing that up because I was about to ask you, if Rodgers, in, in this fantasy world where Rodgers is the quarterback of the Broncos, where does Judy go for you? Does he move a lot higher than the low range RB or WR2 range. I have it baked into my rankings that his quarterback situation can only get better. So even though his 2021 might not be as good as I think it could be because of how highly I think of him as a player, I have it baked in that Denver is not going to go another year past 2021 without addressing the quarterback position, whether that be trading for Deshaun Watson, if his thing clears up. Drafting, drafting the quarterback the early. <laughs> and then trading him. Uh, <laughs> tra- trading up and drafting a good quarterback, even though they should have drafted Justin Fields. Yeah, um, die but, on that heel. Yeah, I will. Um, but yeah, I mean, the you, you are you took the uh, you took the blade out of my hand when you said I know you're going to say drops on a sticky stat, and they aren't. But it wasn't the same comparison between him and Deontay Johnson, where I could look at his true catch rate and be like, yeah. Well, he was getting shitty targets that he dropped. And it's like, no, I mean, even the good targets that he got, he dropped quite a few of them. So, so I think it's going to be a tale of two seasons. He's going to have a different 2021 than he has in 2022. And if the quarterback change happens now or in the future, I think you can rely on much better production coming out of Jerry Judy. That's why I haven't ranked nine spots higher than you do. If Devin was here, I know he'd be going off, uh, probably saying the same thing I am. Um, but I can see your concerns. I can. I get it. Number 28. Let's move on. Number 28, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, the way me and you talk about Juju, you would think that I hate him and you love him. But I mean, I- the fact of the matter is I'm at 30, you're at 26, Devin's at 27, you know, tucked in there in the middle. Um, and what I'll say about Juju is I, I can't I can't be excited about a player who only produced when he had one of the best wide receivers of all time in his prime playing alongside of him. What he did in 2020, 97 receptions, 831 yards, and nine touchdowns. That that leads to a solid fantasy season because he had nine touchdowns. I don't think he is going to have nine touchdowns 
2021. I also don't think he's going to be in Pittsburgh past 2021. And when he had Ben in his prime, that's one of the best fantasy situations you could be in, playing next to A.B. with Big Ben. Now Big Ben where he is now, I think it's a bad situation. I think he ha- he's playing next to Chase Claypool, who we'll talk about later, who I think is a very good young player. He's playing next to Deontay Johnson, who I think is a better short area um, target, a better wide receiver in that area of the field than Juju Smith-Schuster. So you have these two fantastic role players. And if Juju isn't who we thought he was a few years ago, I don't know if he has much of a role on Pittsburgh. And I don't know if anybody's going to be willing to give him money, thus force targets to him in 2022. So I'm more concerned about Juju than most people. I really don't think he's as talented as we thought he was. And that's why I have him as low as I do at 26. I feel like there's just this stink on Juju from last season, or maybe it's baked in with the season before where he got injured. But I think the perception of him is just so much more negative than what he's actually done on the field. You talked about 97 catches, 831 yards, and nine touchdowns last year. And the touchdowns may or may not be repeatable, but he's also scored seven or more touchdowns every season in the league except for 2019 whenever he was injured. So he has been a touchdown scorer and a high-volume scorer. So as a fantasy manager, if I have a wide receiver who's giving me catches, now they present a floor. If I have a wide receiver who's scoring me touchdowns, now they present a ceiling. Juju's been a steady combo of both. If 97 catches last year, he still led the team uh, in catches, even more than Deontay Johnson, who got 16 more targets than Juju. He still ended up with nine more catches than Deontay over the course of the season. There is just this sort of perception on him, though, that last year was just this terrible down year. And yes, the yards were down, but I think a lot of that was baked into the quarterback situation, much of which we talked about last week whenever we talked about Roethlisberger coming off of surgery, arm strength wasn't there. I already made my case for Roethlisberger there that I expect his arm to be a little bit better next year. You had me turning him into Dan Marino, but that's not the case. I do expect him to take another step towards what he used to be, but obviously not to that level. I still think that he's the number one, though. Like I said, I still think he's the number one in Pittsburgh, and there are a lot of mouths to feed, but Juju had 97 catches last year. That's nothing to scoff. That's a ton of catches. And maybe my favorite Juju stat from this last season is more about the Pittsburgh Steelers as a whole. We've talked about them and how great they are at drafting wide receivers in their early rounds, mid rounds, late rounds, everywhere. They're just able to find wide receivers. And the product of that is they end up not re-signing their guys. They let them walk after one contract because they know they can get more. When Juju signed that one-year extension this offseason, he became just the third Pittsburgh wide receiver to get a contract extension since free agency was invented back in 1993. The only two other wide receivers during that second contract, two future Hall of Famers most likely in Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown. So because of COVID, it was a one-year low-money deal. I mean, we saw it all over the league. I can't put that on Juju. So he's going to be up again next year, and it's going to be very telling what he does this year to see if he earns that extension. That being said, if I'm an owner of him in Dynasty, I'm not opposed to him walking. The teams who gave him offers this last offseason, allegedly, like Kansas City and Baltimore, I think he's just as good going to those situations. Maybe not Baltimore now since they didn't address the wide receiver position so often this offseason. But if he goes to a Kansas City or another high-volume offense where he can be a wide receiver in a high-powered offense, getting 120-plus targets, catching 90-plus passes, then he provides a floor much higher than a lot of the guys around him. Like 
Judy and Woods, like we talked about, I think his floor is still higher than those guys. And he's still just 24 years old. He won't be 25 until late in the season. He's still a very young guy. He's on his second contract and people feel like he's been in the league forever. I'd still have him in my low end WR2, high end WR3 ranks. Gotcha. I mean, there's, there's a few things that are concerning um, that we haven't really talked about yet that I'll bring up just to kind of put a button on why I am lower on him than you are. Uh, Matt Harmon does reception perception. Um, if you don't know what that is, essentially he charts every different wide receiver, um, how they perform their routes um, and tries to predict basically what to expect from them in the upcoming year and, and the, the progression of their career. So Juju Smith-Schuster has progressively gotten worse in reception perception every year of his career, including last year. Um, that obviously doesn't bode well. And we don't know if he's going to be going to another situation. And I, I, I am still concerned about wide receivers changing spots. I know that last year I brought this up, I think last episode, we had two stud wide receivers change spots and produce right away. And Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, but that's not the norm. And, right. uh, I, I've talked about how I'm down on Ben, um, who he's going to be catching targets from this year. And if he has a bad 2021, people will excuse it as a big Ben problem. If he changes teams in 2022, people will say people will blame it on a changing situation, new playbook kind of thing. Uh, but the way Matt Harbin sees it, who's been doing this for quite a while, it's that he's getting worse as a, as a route runner. Uh, bad route running doesn't produce fantasy points. It's as simple as that. I mean, he didn't break 100 yards at all in, in 2019 or in 2020. Um, now, I don't know if he's going to go somewhere where he's going to get as many targets as he's seen in Pittsburgh. Um, and the touchdowns, uh, he has, as you said, he scored a lot in his career. Um, but those were on great offenses. I mean, who says he, a bad offense doesn't throw him the bag in 2022? And the touchdown opportunities just aren't there as often. Um, so that that's everything I have to say about Juju. I just, I'm concerned. I like him as a, as a guy, and, and he's fun to watch as a player. It's just I don't know if he's getting worse or if if you know the situation around him is deteriorating. But either way, it's it's enough to scare me away, and that's why I have him as a wide receiver three. Uh, the concerns are the only reason. Three. That's the only reason you're getting him this late. Remember Juju from two years ago? He was a top ten dynasty receiver, and now we're talking about him in the high end WR three conversation. So the concerns are being felt by everyone. I think he belongs somewhere in the middle. I mean, I don't think he's a wide receiver three wide receiver four as a lot of people see him. He's definitely not that wide receiver one. We thought he was a couple years ago. I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he's someone who provides you a high four on a weekly basis. So I still think he has plenty of use and a long career left. Gotcha. Number 29. So we go from a young player who has some scary concerns to an older player who has some scary concerns. And that is Julio Jones. Uh, once again, I mean, the trend continues. Kyle is the highest at yep. 24. I am at 33, and Devin is at 32. Kyle, you want to go first on Julio? Sure. Um, everyone knows what's going on with Julio Jones since he's given us the only real news of this offseason so far. So far. But what, some, a few things that I'll talk about with Julio. So there seems to be – we talked about the stink on Juju. There's a massive stink on Julio Jones, and people somehow think he's injury-prone. I know where it comes from. It's the fact that he's on the injury report so frequently. But when it comes to actually down and missing games, he, the guy doesn't do it. He plays 14 or more games every single season. He's frequently on the injury report, like I said, and it seems to always be foot or leg. Like, it is very common, but when you're built like an alien like him, it's not really that surprising. But last year, the first time – or sorry, second time, first time since his rookie year that he missed more than two games. 
I think people were forgetting what a great season he was having before that injury. He was on pace for 91 catches, 1,371 yards, and five touchdowns last season. So he, it doesn't appear that he's lost anything. He's 32 years old, which I understand. Yeah, that's we talked about the magic number of 30 and how the appeal just changes on wide receivers or really any position when they get to that age. And I get it. At a certain point, the wheels are going to fall off with Julio. But I don't think we should be predicting it and baking it in. Again, like we talked about with Robert Woods, I'm I'm a big fan of having him on those teams that are ready to win now. His move over to Tennessee, our two cents on that since we took the week off whenever we had our only real news of the offseason. He's going to Tennessee where he goes from Matt Ryan to Ryan Tannehill. I don't know that that's too much a negative move. It may be a slight step down, but I don't think it's a big enough one that I'm really concerned about it. Uh, he's going to obviously be pairing up with A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown, though, he's a great receiver. He's not a volume receiver. That's not his game. He's He doesn't need 150 targets every season. There's still plenty of targets available for Julio. And when it comes to those targets, there's 157 of those vacated from last season just with the losses of Johnny Smith and Corey Davis. For an average on his career, Julio Jones gets about 165 targets every season. So those numbers are very close. There's no reason to think he's going to see a massive target decline in Tennessee. I think... Uh, as far as end-of-year production, it may swing A.J. Brown's way, but I still think Julio's going to be the first read. I would be willing to put myself out there and say that Julio gets more catches, more yards than A.J. Brown. Touchdowns, that's not Julio's game, so I'm not willing to go that far for the clean <laughs> Never sweep. Never has been. <laughs> Never has been. But I, I do think that he's probably the number one on this team. You have the concern about him switching teams, which I won't have anything to say disregarding that. It's a very real concern. But he's going to a team now in Tennessee that last year was 30th in the league in pass attempts. And they still have all these targets vacated. They lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, to Julio, or to Atlanta. Sorry, hard to mix. It's easy to mix those names up. But yeah, they lose Arthur Smith to Atlanta. They bring it Julio from Atlanta. And you have to think the offense is going to change. Their new offensive coordinator in Todd Downing, his last stop was in Minnesota back in 2018. That Minnesota Vikings team was sixth in the league in pass attempts. So you go from one offensive coordinator who had you 30th, your new offensive coordinator had you sixth. You have to think that even if they meet somewhere in the middle, you're going to see a lot more passing out of Tennessee this year. And I think Julio is going to soak up the lion's share of those targets. That's a good point. I haven't heard many people bring up Todd Downing's uh, historical tendencies as something that could change Tennessee. Cause a lot of people think you have Derrick Henry, you've committed to Derrick sure. Henry. Therefore you will be a, you know, Derrick Henry led offense. And that's, that's not necessarily um, crazy to say that. I mean, that's how I'm running uh, my assumptions about Tennessee, but I think Julio is going from a high volume, less efficient offense to a lower volume, higher efficiency offense. So you're kind of turning, <clears throat> You know, you're, you're rolling the dice and they're turning the exact same way or the complete opposite way that they came out last time. And I, I don't think there's going to be much of a decrease in fantasy points scored by Julio uh, than it was last year. But similar to Robert Woods, I have him as low as I do because of the age and, and the concern that a 32-year-old wide receiver who, like you said, hasn't been injury prone but is, in fact, coming off of an injury is, is scary. I mean, you – I brought up the same guys I'll, I'll bring up right now. A.J. Green, Dez Bryant, um, mm-hmm. uh, Andre Johnson, uh, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, all these big outside wide receivers that thrived off of being bigger, faster, stronger than the guys that they were going up against all hit that wall at 32 or, or slightly before or after it. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think you can compare Julio to anybody because he is that freakish of a talent. Maybe uh, Calvin Johnson, but – 
uh, that they're still a before you ever got there. So exactly, and there's still a precedent for for this, you know, coming to a screeching halt of a career for for a lot of these big wide receivers. So that's why I'm a 33. I'm not willing to invest in a guy that I might have for half of 2021, and that be the end of his career because I think that's a very good possibility. And there is, if it does come crashing to a halt, like you said, it's the script is on paper. There's a potential out for Tennessee after this season where they'd only take a $2 million cap hit should they move on from Julio after oh, this geez. year. So if he comes in and it is just a train wreck or he gets himself injured again, misses most of the season, and Tennessee decides they're better off to go back to what they were, which is Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and a bunch of role players, then who knows where Julio goes from here. He has value as a WR2, WR3 in fantasy right now, depending on how you look at his age. Next year, that may be unheard of. You may be having trouble flop, fl- uh, flipping him for a second, third round pick. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you just brought it up, flipping him. I'll, I'll pose a question to you. Same thing you did with uh, Robert Woods to me. If you're a contender, what are you trading for Leo Jones? If I'm a contender, I give up my two easy. I don't think I can give up a one anymore. Even if, So if I'm contending and I'm assuming I'm going to be picking in the last four picks or so. And, and I feel like Julio... In a super flex, mm-hmm. ooh, that makes it even harder. Those first round yeah. picks are even more valuable yeah, in super tough. flex. But if I think I do it, if I think Julio's the missing piece, if I've got a loaded roster and I just need that WR2, I'm willing to punt on my first round pick next year in order to get me a title this year. I mean, if you think about it, like what was it? Julio's new coach, Mike Vrabel, was quoted and said that he would chop off his dick for a Super Bowl. <laughs> And in fantasy, you should be willing to part with that quote. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't chop off your dick for a fantasy title, but I'm willing to offer any pick Speak for, for a fantasy title. Yeah, dude. dude mean, hey, we are I, celebrating I, fathers today for a reason. Yeah, right? I don't need that thing anymore. I got, oh, yeah, I got you're right. Kids, We're set. Dude. I'll put it. a couple on ice for a rainy day and we'll call it a good yeah. <laughs> I'll sit back and stare at my ring. Yeah, no big deal. I can go shit talk everybody dickless or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to number 30. Number 30. And that is Tyler Lockett. I have him at 32. Kyle has him at 30. Devin has him at 34. So we're very close uh, consensus-wise on Tyler Lockett. And I think that's for good reason. Um, Tyler Lockett, 81 to, or 82 targets, 1,000 yards in each of his last two seasons. And he had a crazy year last year where, where people thought – he was going to be the best wide receiver uh, in terms of value-wise in fantasy. And then towards the end of the year, it was like, uh, is this guy even playing? Um, and I think that was a trend uh, around Seattle. You know, with mm-hmm. their offense, you know, the whole let Russ Cook thing, it went from great offense to what are we doing? Let's fire OC. Yeah, I have some um, numbers on that if you want them. Yeah, let's hear it. So weeks one through ten during the Seahawks' offensive explosion, they were throwing the ball 37 times a game. And – down to 32 times a game after that week 11 through 13. So five fewer attempts per game after the week 10 split. Tyler Lockett as a wide receiver was scoring 18.7 fantasy points per game in PPR weeks one through 10, fell down to 13.9 weeks 11 through seven. So he didn't fall off the face of the earth, but there was definitely a shift in what you could expect from him in fantasy as you saw the Seattle offense take that step back and become a running team. Here's an interesting question. I mean, Tyler Lockett is, I believe, 30 now. Is he that old? Yeah, I think he's 28 or 28 to 30. He's around that age. He's, he's definitely in the Robert Woods territory of older wide receivers that are still producing. Yeah, you're right. 28 and he'll be 29 early in the season. Yeah, so 
he, he's in that same vein of a, of a Robert Woods where on any given day he could be the one of his offense on, you know, in a given game um, with a, a tie to a good quarterback. So all that being said, how how much do you buy into early 2021? This, I'm asking you, Kyle. How much are you buying mm-hmm. into early 2020 or late 2020? Gosh, you got to hope that they're going to go with the early 21 style or the early 2020 style, right? Like, everyone's hoping for it. You have the quarterback for it. You have the receivers for it. The, the thing that gives me a little bit of hope in that is they did not bring any new bodies into the run game. They did re-sign Carson, but they did bring in with their first pick of the 2021 uh, draft, Dwayne Eskridge, which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't expect Dwayne Eskridge to go out there and be a fantasy relevant receiver year one, but it does tell you what the team's thinking a little bit. The same way that Houston went out there and spent their first pick on a quarterback. It tells you what's going on with their whole situation. So you have to hope since they invested in the passing game with their few picks that they had in the 2021 draft that hopefully that's the way the philosophy is going the team was just a different team and I get the injuries happened and the defense wasn't the same the team was so much more exciting especially for fantasy when you watched him early in the season when Russell Wilson was still in those MVP talks with everyone and then in the second half of the season just completely gone completely different team and then by the time the postseason ran around no one was scared to run into them they ran into uh, the LA Rams and they, they didn't get humiliated but they just didn't look like a playoff team because like, L.A. didn't look like a great team at that point in the season. Jared Goff couldn't complete anything more than five yards downfield, and they ran into a buzzsaw the following week in Green Bay. So it's, take that for what you saw out of Seattle in the wild card round, early exit to a team you just beat for the division. Like The team is so day and night between what they were the first and second half of the season, so much more effective early on, and at the very least more exciting. So as a fantasy manager, you have to hope that's what they go back to. It's he's the one player that it's almost impossible to make a case for or, or against him using statistics because it was two totally different offenses. It was it was so hard to guess what you or it is so hard to guess what you're going to get out of him in 2021, and that that's scary. That's why I have him at 32. I'd still love to have him because he does have those boom weeks. I mean, he had over 30 PPR points in 2023 times. So. Yeah, he has those that that boom week potential, and he is and, playing. And he also against, has the busts. Yeah, yeah, he's got the, the, the good news like, is like his busts aren't zero points, one point. He was never under five fantasy points, and that seems sort of like an arbitrary number. But if you can get at least five out of your guy, it makes the bust a little easier to swallow. Did I just say it makes the bust easier to swallow? <laughs> Swing. Swing. Okay, I'm just gonna roll with it. Oh but, my god. Oh. <laughs> But that's something that obviously hurt your team and may not sink your team. And whatever point I had is completely irrelevant at this point. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna send it back to you. <laughs> Number thirty one. So Jesus. we go from not we. I should not say we go from swallowing busts to to, to Chase Claypool, our thirty one ranked wide receiver. He is my 29th ranked wide receiver. Devin's thirtieth ranked. Wide ranked wide receiver and Kyle has him outside the top 36 mm-hmm. Chase Cape Claypool we talked a little bit about him when we were talking about Juju Smith-Schuster I think it's kind of it's kind of under talked about how like comparable he was to uh in terms of the whole narrative and everything circling around him coming into the draft as DK Metcalf was he's this big aggressive fast incredibly athletic wide receiver that people thought got drafted too highly and then comes into his rookie year and produces 
quite well. I mean, I, I'm not comparing him in terms of what I predict in the future to, to DK right. Metcalf, but but he definitely did surprise me. I, I was one of the guys who thought, you know, he's he's more of a tight end than a wide receiver. I think he, he was overdrafted. Um, but he comes in playing next to two guys that, you know, made their chops as wide receivers and, and Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson and produced right away uh, with a quarterback who I've been – I've been beating my gums about how bad I think he's been and how bad I think he will be in 2021 in Ben Roethlisberger. So he's he's one of those guys that I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my ego and, and admit I was definitely wrong. I think he's a very good wide receiver. And I think he's going to get better. And I think he is the wide receiver one or two in Pittsburgh after 2021 because Juju's not going to be there. Uh, but I'd love to hear what you think about Chase Claypool having him outside your top 36. Yeah, if if Juju was gone, then you have to reassess because obviously, like you said, I left him outside my top 36. The main concern is the fact that he's at best in 2021 the number three option when it comes to targets. And if you're going to be dedicating 250, 300 targets to the top two receivers, what's going to be left in this pie for Chase Claypool? Do you want some pie? The team also invested in the offense, obviously, in the draft where they picked up Najee Harris, who had 70 catches in his last two seasons at Alabama. So even though he's not known as a pass catching back, he's proved that he can do it. So if he ends up stealing 50, 60 targets, I don't think anyone would be surprised at that. They also added a tight end and Pat Fryermuth in it this this far enough past the draft. I should really know how to pronounce his name, but I'm taking my best <laughs> shot at that. But He's 6'5", 251. He's a big body, obviously, tight end who can do a lot of the same things that Chase Claypool can do. So if you're losing volume to the uh, the wideouts in Juju and Johnson, and you might be losing red zone work to the two additions in Pat and Najee, what's going to be left for Chase Claypool? He he had a couple multi-touchdown games, including that huge blow-up game, as you know, at Philadelphia. But outside of those couple of games, he, he really wasn't amazing. I don't want to say he was terrible because I think, like you said, he still outproduced what he what was expected of him, at least what you and I were expecting of him in his rookie season. But you take out that one game against Philly, he goes from 13.5 points per game all the way down to 11. In 2.5 points per week, or that's a pretty big deal. So if you don't have the touchdowns there, I don't know that you have anything. I, I think he's one of those guys who you put in maybe on a bye week as a flex or as a wide receiver two or three to – hope for that boom week, but you're going to be disappointed more than not because the volume floor just isn't going to be there and touchdowns aren't sticky. So I really don't think you can count on him to score 11 touchdowns again like he did last year. So because of that, I don't have him in the top 36. If there's if the situation changes, we figure out who's going to be playing quarterback in five years for Pittsburgh or what the wide receiver core might look like post-Juju Smith-Schuster. If that does happen, then I'll reassess. But where they are right now, I'm just not excited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to to be about as high as I am right now, but it's hard for me to get higher on him than, than rank 29, uh, where I have him. Because like if he's your guy, go ahead, like shoot your shot, trade for him, but do it now. I don't know if you'll be able to after yeah. if he blows up. If he is who you think he is, they are who we thought they were. Uh, you know, a really good wide receiver, a guy you're willing to trade for right now. Then you have to do it right now. Um, but I'm not willing to to overpay for this guy knowing or having the assumptions that I have about that offense in 2021. Number 32. We move on to number 32, Jalen Waddle. I have him 
barely creeping into my top 36 at 35. Devin has him all the way up at 24. And Kyle, you don't have him ranked. I wish Devin was here to talk about this. I know. Me too. I am I'm totally not there with Jalen Waddle, But I, I want to hear what you have to say because I, I am very confused about what to expect from the wide receivers in Miami. I mean, you could you could say any of the four guys, Jalen Waddle or three guys, Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, uh, what's his name? Parker. Devontae Parker. Yeah, Devontae Parker. You could tell me any one of those led the team in yards or touchdowns or receptions, and I'd be like, okay, yeah. wouldn't surprise yeah. me because I just have no idea what to expect. So let, let's hear what you got about Jalen Waddle. Yeah, he's our third rookie overall that we've talked about in our second today. I talked about when we got to Devontae Smith to start off the show that no one has probably climbed my ranks more. I don't know if the, if anyone has fallen in my ranks more than Jalen Waddle post-draft. And I don't think it's anything that he's done necessarily. It's just more of the deeper dive that I've taken to look at him. He's 5'9", 180 pounds. Devontae Smith's six foot 170, but everyone seems to only be concerned about Devontae Smith's weight. So I don't really understand that when they're very similar builds and Devontae Smith is much more diverse in what he can do. Waddle's going to be relegated to the slot. There's really no question in that. You know that Parker and uh, Fuller are going to be on the outside. But the thing is, I think he's coming off the field at least early on in two receiver sets. And if they decide to retain Parker or retain Fuller, then he may not be that 100-plus target guy, at least not in his rookie year. And if you're not gobbling up those targets as a slot receiver, you really don't have fantasy value. you got to hope that you're going to get more targets because obviously the slot target's worth much less than what you get on the outside. Um, As far as Waddle, looking back at his college career, obviously he played for Alabama and is a great offense surrounded by another a bunch of great receivers, but he never really saw had the breakout that we saw from so many of these Bama guys. His best season was a couple of years ago where he had 45 catches, 848 yards, and seven touchdowns back in 2018. Not a terrible season by any stretch, but not someone I really look at as a dominant college prospect. Like I talked about, Fuller and Parker might be taking him off the field and in the Miami offense, you really can't afford to be taken off the field. It's just not going to be high volume enough, I don't think. They finished 18th in attempts last year, so somewhere near the middle of the pack. But the games that Tua played, he was only averaging 29 attempts per game. And I know there's a couple partial games in there that sort of skew the numbers, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a high enough volume offense to sustain three, maybe not even two fantasy-relevant wide receivers. And then you throw in Mike Gusecki as well. I just don't know that there's enough there for Jalen Waddle early, and I don't know that his ceiling ever gets high enough unless we see some of these receivers start to leave. Now, if Fuller doesn't resign, if Parker doesn't resign, and Waddle steps up, becomes the number one, then okay, then we're cooking. But right now, that's a long way away, and I, I don't think I can pencil it in yet. So he's outside my top 36. I'm just not as excited about him as I was immediately following the draft. I uh, I look back at our dynasty rankings we did soon after the draft and uh you had him at eight overall in the in your dynasty rankings do you think you'd move him down at this point for sure he's probably and i haven't done rookie rankings in a while but he's gonna be somewhere in that 10 to 12 range i think for me now at least in super flex yeah i i had i had him at 12 but i thought i was being like you know hot takey uh but now looking back it's like yeah, I had I had him at twelve, and I, I'm pretty confident in that now. And I might actually, uh, you know, looking back, I, I had him above Mac Jones, and I think that's I'd rather have Mac Jones in Superflex. 
I think you're right. I think in Superflux, I'd rather have the floor of Mac Jones than the unknown of Jalen Waddle right now, for sure. Good old McCorkle Jones. The next Gosh, how many, how many times are we going to get a McCorkle reference on the show? If it's not at least once a show, then I'm disappointed. I would much rather have our Hanson references. <laughs> number 33. Moving on to number 33. Oh, man, I've shit talked this guy so many times. I'm kind of tired of doing it. Gosh, Odell Beckham Jr. Mighty have fallen you and devon are uh, neck and neck there at 31 overall i have him outside my top 36 he comes in consensus at 33 just just kind of get me through this without hurting too bad <laughs> i don't think there's going to be too much new to say gosh but reflecting and looking back on like what 2018 wasn't that long ago and i want to say it was it was 2018 maybe 2017 where he was the number one dynasty asset to have not a wide receiver one not a round one pick he was the number one player to have in yeah. dynasty and just look at what's happened him since he's 28 years old so i mean he's still got talent he's still a good athlete he's still got plenty left in the tank but looking at what happened since he's been to cleveland they're 28th in the league last year in pass attempts per game and that was with their lead running back nick chubb missing four plus games so if you have a healthy nick chubb you have to think that their rushing attempts are only going to go up. So obviously not a pass-happy offense, and Baker Mayfield is probably, at, at this point, could we just call him what he is, an average at best as a quarterback? Yeah. I, he, I don't think he's someone who can go out there and support asset after asset. He hasn't had, and this is a really depressing stat, he hasn't had, being Odell Beckham, more than 77 catches, 1,100 yards, or six touchdowns since 2016. It's been five years since he broke 77 catches or got 1,100 yards or scored more than six touchdowns. And that that's not a high bar. That's somewhere, what, low-end wide receiver two, maybe high-end yeah. wide receiver three range right there. That's a guy – that would be a guy you're happy to have, but you're not, like, locked and loaded, love this guy, not moving. Right. And he's been outproduced each of the seasons he's been in Cleveland by Jarvis Landry. He's Landry has had more receptions, yards, targets, and touchdowns both seasons in Cleveland and obviously Odell hurt last season, but the really the best thing he has to hang his hat on since he's been in Cleveland is a couple of blow up games and then a whole bunch of mediocrity at best. So if you have him right now, I, I don't think you can sell because I think the opinion of him is so low, but if I get that blow up game and if we, if the show was going last year, you would have heard me say it too. Cause I did the exact <laughs> same thing when he yeah, had that blow up this. game. I think it was against the jets. I sold him like within the hour I traded away yeah. in dynasty you got to pray that he has one or two of those games early in the season. And then you got to flip him as fast as you can, because I mean, you're riding on fumes with Odell Beckham. Now, if anyone holding out hope that he would ever return to form, it's just not happening. No, I mean, it'd be one thing if he was in an offense that, you know, just got a new pass happy offense coordinator or, right. uh, you know, a fresh new young quarterback, but it's like, yeah, we're running it back at Cleveland. We have exactly what we had last year. We have exactly what we had mm -hmm. the year before that. Um, they're a run-first offense with an average quarterback, and he just hasn't produced. Why? Why could you? Why could you assume that coming off an injury, he's going to get better than what he did in 2018? I don't, if you I don't have him any... right now, and you're not dependent on him to start him every week, which if you are, you're probably not a contender. But do you take a third-round pick for Odell Beckham right now? Ugh. No, I think <laughs> I, I think a third-round pick is is not enough to pass on the potential of him having that one blow-up game and then maybe getting a yeah. second. You know what I mean? It's like, do I maybe, take a yeah. third now or do I hope for a blow-up game and get a second later? Uh, but either way, we're talking about trading him no matter what. So, <laughs> Yeah, so it's just a question of when. 
Yeah, it's a question of how can I get him off my team for the most <laughs> amount. Talk about Odell <laughs> and how to get rid of him. Yeah, and it's uh, it's crazy because he's an, he's still an asset, but I look at him more of as an asset than a potential starter or uh, a player I want to keep on my team. It's it sucks, uh, but yeah. Do you think if he if he stayed in New York that he would have just kind of returned to form and been that guy? Maybe it's hard to say because they had the quarterback change right after he left and they went to Daniel Jones. So it's hard to say what he would do with Daniel Jones, but the, gosh, the negative news, his situation's not changing anytime soon. He's locked into Cleveland through 2023. You got three more years in the dog pound. Gosh, I just don't see it getting any better. I think you got to get rid of yeah. him. Yeah. You, you, you got to move on. And just like that, we are at number 34. We have DJ Chark. Number 34. Wow. What a transition by you. <laughs> Holy cow, you're yeah, coming I, into your own. This hosting thing. Hey, I, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> not good at it at all. But I'm getting there. <laughs> but I'm getting God, there. All you right. may one day aspire to be mediocre. <laughs> uh, DJ Chark. I'm the highest somehow. I'm the highest on DJ Chark at 31. Devin has him at 33. Kyle, you're out on him. Not yep. in your top 36. DJ Chark, I have him at 31 because we've seen him produce in the NFL, and I'm just going to lay this out quickly. Mm-hmm. DJ Chark, we've seen him produce well in the NFL. He was highly dra- second-round pick, I believe. Draft capital's there. Yep. Um, Trevor Lawrence is coming in, in my opinion, the best quarterback he's ever had at LSU or in the NFL. Um, I still think he's going to get quite a bit of targets in that offense. It's going to be a pass-first, high volume offense considering they're going to be down in a lot of games i think there's the opportunity there for him to get not return to where he was in 2019 um but be a serviceable startable fantasy wide receiver um does that happen in 2021 i hope so i think so i'm not positive though and that's why i have him as low as 31 uh it might take a little while for him and and T-Law to get on the same page and him to be a, a steady uh, fantasy asset. But right I can't now, do the T-Law thing. feels pretty comfortable. Oh, you don't T- like T-Law? You think no, of, it's, uh, it's, what's her name? No. Uh, uh, what's her name? I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, basketball player. Shoot. Now I got to look it up. It's Ty Law. No, not Ty Law. I don't remember who no, it is. I, I, don't, I just Law, don't think it's. The cornerback <laughs> no. from the Patriots in like 2001. No, no, no. <laughs> Ty yeah. Law. I mean, now. Yeah. But no, uh, shoot. I can't remember who it is. God, we need Devin here. But yeah, I can't remember I who it was. But I just this, don't hear T Law and think of Trevor Lawrence. This is where know. Devin like brings the most value to our show. You hear well, that, no Devin? Doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I know Devin's listening to this. <laughs> Don't need his takes. Not at all. We just, just need, need your pop NBA culture references. acumen. <laughs> yes, and pop culture. I was thinking of, uh, what's her name? Lawrence. I was in, uh, oh, you know, Jennifer the Girl Lawrence? on Fire. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Did you just say yeah. Girl on Fire? This girl is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Hunger Games? Yeah, the Hunger Games. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes. Maybe we don't need Devin back. We're having way more fun without him. Yeah, killing this. All right. <laughs> Convince me I'm wrong on DJ Chark, and I swear I'll move him down right now. Ty Lawson. I had to Google it. Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Understood. DJ Chark. All right. You went in sort of rapid-fire positives, I think, just trying to be an optimist. But as per usual, I'm going to bring you back down to earth. Yeah. Uh, we talked about with our last show – how I'm not buying into the positive training camp reports and OTAs, but I am going to pay attention and keep the ear out for those negative reports. And the guy we talked about was DJ Chark. 
So his new coach, Coach Meyer, obviously new staff who did not pick them, pick him to be on their team, has been nothing but critical so far. We haven't heard any open praises on DJ Chark yet. And as far as Chark as a player, this will be going into his fourth season now, and he's yet to play a full season. I mean, he does he's got the majority in uh, a couple of times, but never a full season out of him. And if you look at what Jacksonville did in the offseason, they added Marvin Jones, who does pretty much everything DJ Chark does at a higher level. And you could be concerned about the age because, yeah, I think he's 8 to 10 years older than DJ Chark. But Marvin Jones is sort of underappreciated for what he's done in the NFL for the past five years, in my opinion. Obviously, he had the great season in Detroit where he got on the map, and he just sort of tailored off after that. No one really paid him any mind. But he's good at what he does, which is an end, a red zone threat and a deep ball threat which is what DJ Chark is supposed to do. And the fact that they brought him in makes me think that he's going to play that role and he's going to be doing it a lot better than Chark. He's not the only guy they brought in. They've brought in nine pass catchers this offseason. They keep signing receiver after receiver after tight end after receiver after Tim Tebow and <laughs> looking for all these pass catchers to fill up the room because I don't think they're satisfied with what they have. I'd much rather be in on Lavishka Chenault if I'm going to trust that offense and look for a mm. receiving weapon who we'll talk about here in a little bit. I'd, I'd rather have him than Chark, who's going into a contract year in 2021. And the fact that they brought in all these bodies to Jacksonville makes me think he's not coming back. And if he's not coming back to Jacksonville, he's looking for a new home at age 26 after having never really shown anything in his career. I don't want to be left holding that bag. I think if you can get a two right now for DJ Chark, I'm doing that in a heartbeat pretty much no matter what my situation, even if I'm a contender and I feel like he's going to contribute, I think I'd rather have the pick right now because I wouldn't be surprised a calendar year from now to see his value just completely plummet. I hope you're wrong. I drafted him in best ball and uh, looking back, not exactly the best choice, but we'll move <laughs> on. <laughs> We're running a little long on DJ Chark for some reason. Number 35. Number 35, Will Fuller. He is my 34. Kyle, you have him just behind me at 36. And Devin is out on him. Doesn't have him in the top 36. I love Will Fuller as a player. I think when he's healthy, he's one of the better deep threats. Uh, and overall, one of the better wide receiver twos on any team. I think it's uh, it's hard to predict him to ever be a wide receiver one alpha on any team. But I love what he brings to an offense uh, as a player that's uh, meant to catch the ball or even a decoy, a guy that changes your offense. I, I really enjoy watching him and what he does as a player. Um, having to leave Houston is kind of rough because he was there with Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in football. And he goes to Miami with Tua, who I think I'm higher on than most people. Um, but I still think that Tua can produce and can uh, yeah, I'm a Tua fan can as make well. Will Fuller. Yeah, can make Will Fuller relevant. He's only 27 years old. He was a first-round pick. Uh, he, he does have the, the one-game suspension in 2021. Um, but I think when you have a team that, like you brought up before, doesn't pass very often or didn't pass very often with Tua in 2020, but you, you start surrounding him with weapons, you're intending to throw more. And with Wolf Fuller there, uh, I think his targets are very high-value fantasy targets. Yes. And if he can convert on a few of those – you're looking at a great one week. If he steadily starts to convert those over the season, you're looking at a very strong season from Will Fuller. So the upside is definitely there. Um, can he fulfill it in 2021? I don't know. Where he where is he going to be in 2022? I don't know. That's why he's down at 34. Uh, but I think yeah. he has some of the highest upside of the guys we've talked about in the past three or four receivers. 
Yeah, like so many guys this offseason, obviously because of the season it was, had to go on to a one-year deal. But at age 27, like you said, he's still young. He's still got plenty of years of relevance in front of him. Um, he's coming off a great season. I think an overlooked season almost because obviously the suspension at the end put a hamper on the whole thing. But I don't know. I don't know if people were paying enough attention to how good he really was during the season. So before the suspension, he was on pace for a 77 catch, 1,279 yard and 12 touchdown season. That's high end WR2 numbers. And like you said, the targets he get being such high volume, 77 targets turning into almost 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns shows his efficiency. There's never been a question of the talent and the efficiency whenever he's been on the field. Everyone knows what the red flags are, and that's that he can't play a whole season, and the same will be true next year because, like you said, he's out week one. But he has an open opportunity in Miami on an offense that, like you said, I do expect to throw at least a little bit more. And although, similar to my Kenny Galladay argument last time we talked, Although, yes, it's crowded, there's a lot of mouths to feed, he's the type of fantasy player that doesn't need 150 targets or 90-plus catches to be fantasy relevant. If he comes through with another season like last year, catches 75 passes for 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, you're ecstatic no matter where you got him. Because at age 27, he's still got a lot of time in front of him. You do have to be concerned about where he goes after this year. But going into 2021, I think that everything's out in front of him. I wouldn't be surprised if next year we're talking about him 10 picks earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if next year we're talking about him 10 picks later. Right now, I think his ceiling is so much higher than where he's at. You just have to think on whether you're going to take the risk of that ceiling, knowing that his floor is much lower than most of the guys that we've talked about. Yeah, I think you outlined perfectly the upside there. And that's what you, I think, I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I say that's what we look for this late you know, wide receiver rankings. You know, we're not looking really for a guy to start every week. We're looking for a guy who has a really good matchup and you're playing against a really good team. You need those boom weeks, right? Will Fuller, I mean, where do you think, you know, if if he has a great 2021, do you think Miami signs him back? And if, if he does have a good 2021, where do you think he is in these rankings a year from now? Well, I, I think that's what you hope for if you do have Fuller. If, if he has a good season, there's a good chance that means Tua showed some development as well and the offense is on the rise. I don't think Devontae Parker's long for that team. I'm not sure exactly how much longer he has in his contract, but I think it's the odd man out is going to end up being Devontae Parker. So if you have Fuller on the outside and Waddle underneath, I like the way that offense looks. If you can invest a little bit more into the run game, I think it's a really dangerous offense. And if Tua takes that step forward then that's what you got to hope for. Anywhere else he goes, you got to hope that he's going into a clear-cut number two role because if he's going into a crowded receiving core with two established weapons in front of him, although he is efficient, I don't know that he could overcome being that low in the depth chart. That's why I really do like him in Miami because I feel like the wide receiver one position there is up for grabs, and if I had to place my money right now, I'd bet it on Fuller. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean... He just represents a lot of upside, and I keep saying that over and over again, but I believe it, and uh, that's why I have him the highest out of all, all three of us. Number 36. All right, our last wide receiver that we have ranked in Dynasty Fantasy Football is my boy, the love of my life, LaVisca Chanel. I have him at 26. You heard that right, 26. Kyle and Devin don't even have him ranked in the top 36. What is Ooh, going literally. on? Take this man and put him on your back and carried him I'll into our top his bus. 36. I swear to God, I'll swallow his bus. I, oh God. <laughs> I will say this. I am 
if I have to pick right now a Jacksonville wide receiver, I'm taking Travis Etienne. But if I had to take one who's actually a wide receiver, I would take LaVisca Chenault over DJ Chark. Chenault has better draft capital than DJ Chark. Both second-round picks, but picks, uh, but Chenault, I think, went at, what, the 210 or something like that early in the first yeah, early uh, second, second round. round. And when you have the comparison of the one year they played together, and remember, this is the third year in the league for DJ Chark. It was the rookie year for LaVisca Chenault. And Chark outproduced him. That's fair. But Chenault was much more efficient with the targets he got. He had more yards per target, more yards per route run, and a better catch rate in spite of having a worse target quality than DJ Chark. So what that tells me is that he was doing more with what was given to him. I don't think Chark is going to have be put in a situation where he can be force-fed the ball. I think we talked enough about DJ Chark, though. Chenault last year showed that he can be efficient with the target he gets. It's probably going to be a bad team. I don't think anyone's expecting more than a handful of wins at best for Jacksonville. So classic narrative of they're going to be throwing late in games. And the talks right now is that they're trying to move him into more of a set wide receiver role and less of that hybrid running back wide receiver spot, which makes more sense when you draft Travis Etienne and you already have James Robinson. And then biggest of all, you bring in Carlos Hyde. How do you not give that man two, 300 catch, touches over the course of the season? But if he's able to focus on being that slot receiver, he's the only one who plays underneath. Even the guys that they're bringing in, they're bringing in more and more outside receivers. I think he's very unique in Jacksonville of being the only guy who probably excels and is best in the slot. So although I don't have him ranked, I'm I don't think you're crazy for having him where you have him, which is a high-end WR3. I think that's definitely his ceiling, so I don't put him there. But if we're redoing these rankings a few weeks, few months into the season and Chenault starts out like a man on fire or a girl on fire, as you would say, <laughs> that I wouldn't be surprised to see him break into my top 36. LaVisca Chenault has had the off-season, like, holy grail of hype. He's had beat reporters hyping him up. He's had coaches hyping him up. He's had that stereotypical quote of I'm in the best shape of my life. Best shape of my life. He's had the off season. He's been the off season darling for fantasy players uh, and especially Jacksonville fans. I think he was underdrafted in the NFL draft at 210 and it's because he was coming off oh. injury. Yes. I think he was the second or third best wide receiver in that draft. But you only behind on him, I do remember. Only behind CeeDee Lamb, I would say honestly. He was the second best wide receiver in that draft. All that said, he was coming off an injury, and he did get underdrafted, and he got put in maybe the worst spot to start a rookie year, catching passes from uh, Mullet. What's his name? Uh, oh, God. Gardner, <laughs> Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Jeez. <laughs> that, that guy. And, uh, We're bad Jake with Luton. names today. Yeah, imagine catching passes from uh, Jake Luton and Gardner Minshew and people expecting you to produce for fantasy. Uh, but guess what? He produced at least at a base level anyway. Um, I think he's far and away a better talent than DJ Chark, than Marvin Jones, than uh, Travis Etienne as a pass catcher, than any of the random tight ends that they brought in. Uh, and he's now catching passes from the best quarterback he's ever had in college or football. And uh, in most people's mind, college or a top football. 10 in college or the NFL. And in most people's mind, a top 10 quarterback the day he steps on an NFL or top 10 NFL quarterback the day he steps on. So everything is pointing up for LaVisca Chanel. I have him this high because I think he can be a wider super one. I honestly think at some Ooh. point, not in 2021, not in 2021, mm, I think okay. he could be a wider super one in 2022. Easy and if you're going to buy a wider super one, you got to buy him early because if you don't draft him, it's very hard to get him. Ask people that are trying to trade for, 
uh, I don't know. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Uh, AJ Brown after la- or after 2019. DK, DK Metcalf after, after this year. Uh, yeah. Not DK yeah. Char- DK Metcalf. Yeah. Try to trade for those guys after they blow up. It doesn't happen. You got to draft them or you got to get them before that, uh, that upside hits. And in my opinion, having him ranked as high as I do, it's, it's clear that I think he has that potential and the, the pick of Trevor Lawrence, I think unlocked that potential and you're going to see it. So, yep. That's why I'm that high on, on LaVisca Chenault. So if you don't like it, move that phone. No, I'm just kidding. Please like the, please like the podcast, rate it, review it, all that, all that stuff. No, flex on it. That's the end, man. We did it. We did it. Top 36 wide receivers. 36 but wide receivers later. We we couldn't get enough of wide receivers. So what did we do? We decided to talk about the guys. We that got didn't more for you. The snubs and Kyle or Devin's not here to talk about his guys, but me and Kyle have two guys each. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle why don't you yeah. kick us off with your first snub? All right, so we each went the same route. We each took uh, a younger veteran and a rookie to put as snubs from our top 36. I'm going to start with the veteran, maybe a little less exciting, but that's Mike Williams. 26 years old is by no means old. Okay, He's, if anything, entering his prime as an NFL wide receiver, and he's in sort of a unique role with the Chargers. He hasn't had much production. We all know that, and there's a reason he's outside the top 36. He's never had a 50-catch season, which to me was kind of ridiculous to hear. How do you post a 1,000-yard season without a 50-catch season? You remember he did that back in 2019. We had 49 catches, 1,001 yards, and just two touchdowns. The most unique stat line that I've seen in the last decade easily. I expect this season to see Justin Herbert grow as a quarterback, and you may not see him growing in his stat sheet or in his fantasy points per every week, but I expect him to be seeing the field a lot better. The game slows down a little bit as the second year. You're able to see the field and process things a little bit better, and I expect for Mike Williams to be the main beneficiary of that. He was 100th in the league in catchable target rate last year. He was not getting the ball put on him in a position for him to make plays. And that's the kind of receiver Mike Williams is, is you toss it up, let him go get it, but you got to put it somewhere he can get it. And hundredth and catchable target rate is just not going to get the job done. But he was top 25 in the NFL in air yards, deep targets, and yards per reception. I'm a big fan of seeing that. That's a lot of um, unrealized potential, I think, that if you see the step up from Herbert and see him start reading the field better, I think Mike Williams is the main beneficiary of that. Obviously, Keenan Allen is going to be the alpha. He's going to get his. But all it takes is a 70-catch season, 1,000-plus yards, and maybe double-digit t- uh, touchdowns for Mike Williams for us to be talking about him as that wide receiver two, wide receiver three discussion going into next season. Yeah, Mike Williams, I, I think he's starting to finally get the hype coming into this year. I think fantasy uh, analysts and commenters are, are starting to buy into Mike Williams. And I think rightfully so. I, I think he can have a really good 2021. I don't know how much longer he's going to be a charger. Um, he has a pretty unique skill set, though. I mean, a team that's looking for a role player, a jump ball player, a red zone player, he's that kind of guy. Uh, and as long as he's attached to uh, Herbert, I think uh, you got a good player on your hands, guy you want to keep around. That's hilarious. We have a we have a little show sheet that has notes and stuff, and Kyle has a note in here from Mike Williams that says Herbert. Next step for Herbert is Williams. That's true. <laughs> How does Herbert that. grow without not having Mike Williams? It's just funny to read it. It says next step hey, for Herbert. Is it makes Williams. sense the way I, it makes sense the way I put it. Yeah, but uh, last thing I'll say on cool. him, and I'll just make it real quick. Hunter Henry being gone. 
I think that's big. I think the number two in targets is wide open, and I, I think it's Williams' role to take. Totally. All right, my first snub is Curtis Samuel. I've loved Curtis Samuel for a long time. I think his talent has been unrealized for a while down there in Carolina. But he had a really good season last year. I mean, let me put up his stats here. I mean, he's had he had over 100 yards three different times. He had, what, eight, eight targets for five different times down there in Carolina. It was a, it was a mini breakout. I mean, I think you can consider him finally breaking out down there in Carolina. And then he goes from Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina up to Washington to everyone's favorite gunslinger. And, uh, Brian you know, that guy, gosh, we are killing the <laughs> yes, names today. God, I'm dying today. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, everyone's favorite gunslinger, Ryan Fitzpatrick and, uh, reports out of camp. I know, it's all hype. It's whatever. But everyone seems to think he is the wide receiver two down there. And he has a great rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, playing alongside a guy who's a great intermediate and deep threat in Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to soak up a lot of those short area targets. So I like Curtis Samuel a lot in 2021. I like him even more if they can get a better quarterback in Washington long term. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like I like him and, and where he's at right now. He's definitely – uh, you could buy him. He's not overpriced, I don't think. I, I think you can get him for a solid number. I've actually been trying to trade him away in our dynasty league because I have so many receivers I like, and I thought I could get something for him. But, but uh, yeah, I, I like Curtis Samuel a lot. He's only 24 years old, um, so really good player. Big fan of the situation, obviously, like you said, college reunion with Terry McLaurin, both teammates together, both old Buckeyes in Ohio State. He's got the draft capital, 40th overall. Uh, back a few years ago by the Carolina Panthers, but he's done nothing but improve every season. I mean, if, if you look at his stats, just ballparking these, his receptions in his first four years, 15, then 39, 54, 77, the number continues to climb. The yards, only a buck 15, 494, 627, uh, 851. Again, it's just constant improvement, and it gets utilized more in the rushing game. Four attempts, eight attempts, 19 attempts, 41 attempts last year, and 200 yards on the ground. So over a 1,000 all-purpose yards for the first time in his career, and he's got a coach who already is familiar with him. So you can sort of take a little bit of time out of that getting used to know each other period with Rivera. And uh, I think Samuel's in a perfect situation for his skill set where he doesn't have to be the alpha, but he gives you everything you want out of a number two next to McLaurin. What do you think his ceiling is in 2021? I mean, I think it's hard to predict, but with his skill set, catching passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick, where, I mean, where do you think he could realistically finish? It's going to be weird. I think we just talked about the weird um, – Mike Williams stat line. I wouldn't be surprised to see an equally weird stat line from Curtis Samuel this year where he maybe has a ton of catches, not a lot of yards or vice. Like, like everything's on the table. And as far as the touchdowns, I, I don't know what to predict. He scored five, six touchdowns his second and third year. And then it was down to three last year in the best season of his career. And Carolina, their offense has been so unique at the tail end of cam and then trying to find a quarterback since then. It's hard to take a lot away from it. And also, we're seeing a lot of new faces in Washington. So as far as what to expect, it's really hard to predict because you don't necessarily know what's going to be around him. But you can say that he has the talent, that it leaves a lot of stuff on the table. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting transition to go from Curtis Samuel to your second snub, a guy who a lot of people are talking about him like they were talking about Curtis Samuel coming out of college. Yeah, so my second top 36 wide receiver snub is Elijah Moore. 
The guy has had more OTA buzz than maybe any wide receiver, and I would say probably than every other rookie in this class so far. Everyone's just going goo-goo over Elijah Moore, and it's not a surprise. Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, is bringing over the Shanahan offense from San Francisco, which is just happens to be one of the easiest offenses, I guess, for NFL uh wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, everything. If you understand the Shanahan offense, you have success. It's really that simple. But as we all know, number two pick in the second round, so he has the draft capital, declared early from Ole Miss and only 21 years old, which you love to see. A 19-year-old breakout, something that a lot of analytics guys love to see is that early breakout age. You have it from Eli Moore. Man's fast as hell. He was in our 93rd percentile 40 and 98th percentile agility soar. So he's not the biggest guy, so he's most likely going to be in that slot role for the New York Jets, but there's no one there who scares me. Corey Davis is not a high volume receiver right now. Denzel Mims has been relegated to the second team offense early on, which is bad news if you're a Denzel Mims owner, but Mims was not drafted by this regime. They have no loyalty to him. He doesn't really fit the offense that what he does well is not a staple in that Shanahan offense. So I don't know that there's going to be a place for him. We might see him in the second string behind Keelan Cole, all right? That just may be the way the offense is. But I think the main guy in his way is Jamison Crowder, who did take the pay cut, obviously, to stay on the team. But that could make Crowder a more movable. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, even though he's under contract, Crowder suiting up for another team by week one. A $10 million contract is not as easy to move as a $5 million contract. And if I'm a team in need of that slot position and I have a couple million dollars in cap space, it's definitely a target I'd be looking at, which would... You, we would see Eli Moore blow up at that point. I think the reason we don't have him in our top 36 is because of the rookie-to-rookie transition that they're going to have to make in And the New coaches York. and coordinator transition, too. Yeah, all that so stuff. You, have, you have brand new everything besides the GM. The GM, I think, is the only you know big-time position in that franchise that didn't really change. I mean, quarterback changed, uh, head coach changed, all the, you know, the, the big three – uh, defense corner, offense corner, they're all different. So you bring in a new quarterback, a new wide receiver, your first two picks or first uh, two of your top three picks in the draft are uh, offensive weapons. And it's going to take some time for them to adjust the speed of the game, adjust to a new offense. So Eli Moore, don't, don't get freaked out if he doesn't, you know, go crazy in the first six weeks of 2021. Give it some time. It's a brand new offense. It's a team that has a low-key good roster, so I think they'll get it together quicker uh, th- than you might expect. But he is the the most critical to own in in the Jets or on the Jets in fantasy. If you can get him now or get him after a slow start to 2021, I think it's totally worth it. And I think this time next year, he will in fact be in our top 36. So good pick by I, you. I think that. I think that if you can get in, if he does have that slow season, getting in on him after the season would be the time to do it. Because even with veterans, you see with the Shanahan offense that the second year is when they take off. You saw it with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. You saw it when Matt LaFleur went to Green Bay that Aaron Rodgers had a good first season, but it was the second year in the offense that things really clicked and everything really got going. So even if you see a down season from him this year, I'm buying the hell out of him if I can get my hands on him after this going into year two. So I'm going to move on to my second bust right here, and that is, or my second snub, excuse me, is Rashad Bateman. You're all about receiver. busting today. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Sean Wing. <laughs> His second wide receiver snub is Rashad Bateman. And Rashad Bateman has had a hot and cold offseason in terms of his his hype and his 
perceived value in fantasy. Before the draft, it was wide receiver two in the draft, no, no doubt. You know, wherever he lands, he's going to be the second wide receiver taken in the draft or the third wide receiver taken in rookie drafts. Come after the draft, we realize he gets drafted by Baltimore. Now, it's like cockroaches when the lights get turned on. Everyone's trying to find a place to hide. Nobody wants their uh, their old quotes about Rashad Bateman to be pulled up. But I'm one of those guys who thinks that he is talented enough to produce at a level that's worth starting in, in fantasy. And I think that could happen as early as this year. So if you can start him, we're talking about a wide receiver three right, in 2021. And I, I think he has that that ceiling this year, but I think it can only grow uh, because he is to bring kind of a baseball term into this. He's like a five tool player, right? He can, he's a jump ball guy. He's a deep threat. He can run good short routes. He can run intermediate routes. Um, he's actually a good blocker as a wide receiver. So if there's any offense, uh, or if the Baltimore offense needs a specific type of receiver, he's this type. He's a guy that could do it all. He can get open for Lamar. He can contribute uh, as a, running game blocker, all the stuff that's going to keep him on the field and get him more targets as he grows in his offense. So although he's not in our top 36 now, I think he will be. And I think similar to Elijah Moore, um, once he gets through that transition, that learning that new offense, going from college to the NFL, he's he's in line for, for a lot of production. And although he the, the pie is small in Baltimore, if there's any wide receiver there that can overcome it, it's Rashad Bateman. And it's a guy I'm worth taking a risk on for sure. Yeah, I'm with it. I think even if we're looking just a year from now, but if not, definitely two or three years from now, if we're looking back and we're looking at Rashad Bateman as the number one in Baltimore, I don't think that surprises anyone. I'm not a believer at all in Marquise Brown. So he's not a volume guy either way. So even if he does come around and have success, it's not going to be in a volume uh, type role. But Rashad Bateman, like you said, he does everything well. This guy... Uh, can appease the film grinders with how he looks on tape. He appeals the analytics guys with that early breakout age, 18-year-old breakout age, which, you, God, you just love, a 43% dominator rating. He does it all. Like It's like you said. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up Hollywood Brown. He's a deep threat. Mark Andrews, uh, he's, he's a middle-of-the-field, low-volume target. Um, they brought in Tylen Wallace. He's also a deep threat, similar uh, to – to Hollywood Brown, just a little bit bigger. So I, I think there's definitely a, a role cut out for Rashad Bateman, and I believe he can perform that role at a high level. So And they did bring the in role. Sammy Watkins, who's yeah, somewhat Sammy similar, Watkins. but I, I think that was a one-year deal also, so I'm really not mm-hmm. that concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a contending team, and they signed Sammy Watkins before the draft. So I think that was yep. a – hey, we need a wide receiver ready to go for 2021. And that was before the draft, before they realized they could get Rashad Bateman. So I think Rashad Bateman is going to be the one there in short order, um, worth a guy worth investing in. But that's it, bud. We did it. We did it. Another episode. We're off next week. And then when we come back, we'll finish up the rankings. Seems like we've been doing rankings for months. At that point, we'll be nearing early mid-July, and hopefully the new cycle starts to pick back up as we start getting into training camp and actual football is being played, you know, with helmets and such. So hopefully it'll ramp up the amount of content that we have to work with over here. Maybe we'll get Devin back if he makes it out of Florida. We'll see how it goes. But either way, excited for the next couple weeks of break. I know a lot of people taking vacations right now. So enjoy what you can. Spend your time with your families. Enjoy the summers wherever you're at. Yeah, where can they find us on social media? 
Yeah, hit us up on Twitter at FFlexecution. As we start to get more news to give y'all, we'll start putting up more polls, opinionated things, and a lot more content to go as we have more football to talk about. So find us on there. Looking forward to getting closer and closer to the season. More and more content should be flowing. Mm-hmm. The new cycle's going to start firing up, man. Training camp's coming up. There's going to yes. be a bunch of sad injuries that we're all going to have to deal with. And uh, yeah, you can deal with it together with us. And we'll be here to talk through it all. So stick around, guys. Be ready for some more fantastic content here from me and the boys at the Fantasy Flexicution Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.